Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball, and today we are joined by Coach Chuck Arnold. Honestly, I don't know of anyone who's impacted the game more internationally, personally, than, than Chuck. He's also a high school basketball coach, Peyto High School in Texas. He's a certified USA basketball coach, FIBA coach, and he holds the highest level certification for FIBA three-on-three. Three. He's regarded as a master teacher. He consults with organizations and countries around the world, helping them teach. He runs basketball three-on-three uh, three FIBA tournaments around the world. He's the CEO of World Hoops, which we're going to dig into. So, Coach Chuck Arnold, welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. I'm uh, super excited. I listened to your podcast. I'm a big podcast follower, and so it's, uh, you, you have a lot of great stuff. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I know our listeners are going to appreciate this, both from the international style and also how they can incorporate a lot of the things that you've done as a coach to the teams that they coach here in the state. So before we dig into all that, can you explain your background a little bit, both as a high school coach and how you got involved so deeply into FIBA three-on-three? Yeah, so, um, you know, actually me starting to coach high school basketball is just uh, uh, definitely God in, intervening in my life and directing me in, in those regards. Uh, I never really wanted to be a coach, but uh, uh, those doors just kept opening up. And so when we moved down to uh, just outside of Houston, um, I had an opportunity to start coaching at Katy High School basketball. and Quite honestly, I, I spent years, most of those years, trying to get out of it, being an assistant principal. And uh, there was an, uh, a situation where that coach, the head coach, got let go, and, and I was the interim, interim head coach, paving the way for the new head coach to come in. And uh, when, when he came in, uh, he just kind of rekindled my passion for basketball, and I just kind of uh, gave into God's will, and and it's just been haven't looked back since. You know, once you once you understand, you find uh, what God's purpose is for your life. Everything just kind of falls into place, and and so um, we started a, a mission trip to uh, Banache, Indonesia, years ago. Um, we started basketball programs for the kids that that uh, lost their families in the uh, tsunami that, uh, that devastated that, that whole area. So my family felt God calling us to be closer after that trip. And, and like I said, when, when you're doing God's will kind of place, and uh, before we know, we had jobs at an international school on the island of Penang in Malaysia. And, and uh, we moved our family over there. Um, and you know, I, I, once I got over there, I, I knew right. I knew perfectly well that my purpose was and God directed my life through basketball. And so once we got over there, um, anything that was basketball related, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this because I know God's going to bless. I know that's what God wants me to do. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and then in shape, I started playing tournaments over there. 
and uh, and play more. And so that's when I started looking up for competitions. And I saw some FIBA three-on-three stuff in Thailand. Um, and so I called them, and he said uh, he said they weren't doing it anymore, but they're looking for somebody to organize FIBA three-on-three in Southeast Asia. I was like, well, I'm, I'm trying to start uh, a basketball coaching company. So I was like, well, this might be good. And um, organized Challenger in Singapore. And uh, I honestly, I had no idea what to expect. And I was just kind of blown away where we had that first tournament, we had six different countries fly in to play uh, a, a Challenger tournament in uh, in Singapore and uh, after that I was hooked I was in that's am- that's amazing I mean that people are flying in to play in your challenger tournament so I see this question right there can you explain for for those of us that are listening in the U.S. and we're like FIBA three on three like they're we're not familiar with it can you explain how big that is internationally Before we get into our interview, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. They also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles. With one of the largest selections of trucks in the state, they are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin, our truck country, stop in and see them today. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, they will get you right. When I lived in Ohio, I still went all the way up to Standish because I knew they were going to take care of me when it came to getting a new vehicle. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. Yeah, so internationally, uh, FIBA 3 on 3 is massive. It's, it's, the, it's the fastest growing urban sport in the, the history of sports. And um, we're talking like there's, there's a, the prize money is up to a million dollars now. The, the, the next in line was beach volleyball. And beach volleyball became an, an Olympic sport at a fast rate. Well, FIBA three on three, um, which I've had the privilege of, of um, campaigning with the ILC to make it an Olympic sport, uh, that in a matter of two years became an Olympic sport got fast-tracked to an Olympic sport because of its popularity. And uh, anybody from the U.S. that witnesses, plays, sees FIBA three-on-three for the first time is instantly addicted. It's so, it's so fast-paced. The games are shorter, so if you got a shorter attention span, um, it, you, you, it's constantly engaging for, for fans to be able to watch. Now, I want you to get into some of the rules because that's part of what benefits that pace of the game um but before we get into that i'm kind of the the oldest millennial you're you're a little bit older than i am so we grew up playing in gus mackers red hackers all the local three-on-three tournaments that kind of seem to to die off especially with the growth of aau and even even my age you know when i went and played college basketball a lot of my teammates they weren't playing a whole lot of three-on-three they played a lot of aau they were from you know, bigger areas where I was from more of a rural area. So there wasn't even a U team around for me to play on. I was playing in a bunch of 
three-on-three tournaments. So uh, what are some of the, the benefits that three-on-three, you know, the, the small-sided games have that go along with, you know, how these, these rules? So basically, I'm asking two questions in one. What are the rules of FIBA three-on-three, and what are some of the ways that that benefits a player's game? Yeah, so I'm like you, Steve, and that's uh, FIBA three-on-three. Three, I, I really felt, uh, or not FIBA three-on-three, three, but growing up playing three-on-three three really shaped me as a player um, in a, multiple ways. And uh, uh, FIBA three-on-three, three, now, as far as, I'll start off with the rules. So the games are 10 minutes long, um, and the the clock only stops on when the referee blows the whistle. So on dead ball foul situations. Uh, so the max usually games end up lasting. If you're, if you're watching usually lasts about 20 minutes, but um, throughout, if the referee doesn't blow the whistle, the ball doesn't go out of bounds. There's no fouls. The game continuously goes. And so on a made shot that it, that's one of the biggest things is the transition. And that's where U S basketball players with is in, in Gus Smackers and Red Hackers, the ball goes and the play stops. You check ball off the top. Uh, FIBA three on three, made shot. Defense grabs it. You become offense. You clear the three point line and, and you're playing. And so the pace of that is, is so fast. Um, there's a 12 second shot clock. And that, that's what gets, makes it super exciting. It's like you only got 12 seconds to get that, to get the shot off. Um, there's no coaches on the sideline. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll talk about how this translates uh, to player development here in a little bit. Um, and then uh, and a lot of the other rules are the same as far as FIBA, um, six fouls. And so after, after the, the seventh, eighth, and ninth foul, uh, you get two shots. And then uh, on the tenth foul, you get two shots in the ball. Um, and so like in a, in a game that – it's 10 minutes or, or 221, the first team to 21. So uh, the games are short and uh, the games, the score is not that high. So in a, in a game, in a lot of game situations, another common mistake that U.S. basketball teams and other basketball teams that are, are new to the game is they get in foul trouble early. And then next thing you know, you know, there's left in the game. And the other team is shooting two free throws and getting the ball every possession. And, and that's a, a big problem. Um, now, as far as to answer your second question, how does that translate to player development? What are the benefits to that? Uh, well, the first thing is it, it's playing a five-on-five basketball is kind of like a marathon. It's kind of they're stopping, uh, there's stop time, there's rest time. It's not like that FIBA three-on-three. And I, I – I love watching players that have never watched three on FIBA three on three try to play it for the first time because they they just they're less than a minute into it and they're absolutely exhausted and uh, and wanting to come out of the game because it is it's a sprint it is such a fast paced game so from a, a conditioning standpoint this is one of the reasons why we put it uh, in in our in our spring off season is because it's a great it's a great conditioner because it's a, it's a, such a fast pace. Um, the second thing from a player development is that there's there's more pressure on all levels because there's only three guys out there. So you have to um, you have to defend and you have to be able to 
make plays all the time. When you're on the court, there's four, there's four guys there's, uh, on a team, and three of you are on the court the whole time. All three of you have to be engaged, have to be on the same page, um, and, and cannot take a break offensively or defensively, because if you do, then the other team's going to get the advantage. And I'll talk about uh, analytics a, a little bit later. Um, and then, and so, like from a basketball standpoint, as far as player development, what, it, what this translates to is that FIBA 3-on-3 three three really teaches uh, young players to, they have to be playmakers, um, they have to be better defenders, and their basketball IQ has to be a lot higher levels. And, and so you'll find that teams that struggle um, maybe might have two out of the three. So they might be skilled players. Um, they, they might be great defenders, but they, they, they're not, they don't have the basketball IQ. And so in those situations, those, those teams will get blown out because they, if, if the teammates aren't flowing together, making good decisions together, uh, then they're going to struggle. Or you may have a high basketball IQ, but you might not be very skilled. And so it's one of those things where you gotta have you gotta have all three of those aspects in order to be successful. There's so many things I love that that you just explained about FIBA three on three. A lot of those benefits in three on three the way we grew up, except you've put it on steroids and taken out all the the negative aspects of the three on three that you and I grew up playing and now you just ramped it up right you've you know when I try to explain the rules of FIBA three-on-three people people that's that's just too much I'm not you know we'll just check up after a score and, and I'm like trust me just learn the rules they're not that complicated all right and once you have them it's just like you're playing five on five anyway you're going to enjoy it so much more and your players are going to get better faster and like you said, there, there's so much more that involves the players' IQ. You're applying the pressure than just a, a normal open gym or five-on-five five that you might have your players come in, which, which brings me into, you know, the, the difference in a lot of FIBA three-on-three, which is, you know, on fire internationally. And then in the U.S., we have AAU basketball. So in your opinion, how does – and not that all AAU basketball is wrong. I don't, I don't want to necessarily hate on AAU basketball at all. Um, but, but how does FIBA three-on-three three represent a different kind of mindset compared to AAU basketball in the U.S.? Yeah, so, in a, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you with as far as AAU is, is we have enough uh, talented players that play on some good AAU programs. And, and from a coach's standpoint, um, we like – we we encourage that. Not every high school basketball coach is like that, but you know we have the level of that they need to be playing AAU because it helps them get more exposure um, out there. And so, from that standpoint, it's 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 hard to make a um, an argument where you know you should be playing FIBA three on three, entering all these tournaments uh, because they're not going to get this. The fact is, they're not going to get the exposure um, that they get playing AAU. Uh, but from a, a developmental, if we're, if we're looking at FIBA three on three, and this is why we put it into our practice schedule, is uh, in, in AU, um, you know, we watched we watched a film of, of one of our in AU um, earlier this week, and um, and you know he's he's just catching the ball, 
dunking, catching the ball, dunking. Just not, you know, he must have had five or six dunks in a row. And and you watch the film, and and there's a guy guarding him half his size, and um, on the perimeter, there's three other defenders just standing there, just watching. And so in AAU, um, there's not a whole lot of defense happening, and so it it really it really highlights uh, offensive players just just being able to go almost like one v dummy, as far as as far as getting up the court and scoring. And then, and there's a lot of walking up and down the court, uh, standing around. Um, in FIBA three on three, you can't do that. And like all three players, or four players on the court need to be totally engaged. And, uh, and you need to be the entire time. You're gonna, I guarantee, even if you don't even practice, if you play one term in a FIBA three on three, I guarantee from a player development, you will come out a better defender and a better playmaker. No, that's no, that's that's great stuff. Um, so, with with that in mind, coach, you're you're also a high school basketball coach. You just talked about comparing some of your players' game film, you know, from playing AAU to FIBA three on three. And as you know, the term "small sided games" are an extremely hot topic. They're buzzwords right now. Um, I felt like we were doing them in some way, shape, or form for a long time. And having grown up playing a lot of three-on-three in some way, shape, or form, we've been doing that for a long time. But with the growth of AAU, especially in the U.S., there's so much more five-on-five being played now than there was 20, 30, 40 years ago. So what are some of the benefits that you've noticed uh, internationally in the fact that it's three-on-three, it's a small-sided game, and how it applies to, you know, the team that you coach in the U.S.? The biggest thing, and this is where we're trying to get our, our guys on the same page, is the biggest thing is reaction time and uh, speeding up the problem. Um, we have, from playing AAU, we, we have some incredibly skilled players as far as ball handling, shooting. Uh, but when they get game situations, their, their decision-making is, is too slow. Their reaction times are too slow. You watch, and, and you've experienced this, Steve, you know this, um, you watch international, you watch a Serbian team, or you watch a um, Slovenian team, the way that they move the ball, it's a work of art. I mean, it is, it is absolutely beautiful um, how they move and flow, how they read the defense before they even get to a and make the make the right read. It's impossible to go, and uh, and they and FIBA three on three like countries like Slovenia um, have been have been having national three on three tournaments years before FIBA even considered developing this this international FIBA three on three. And so these small sided games are things that uh, a lot of these European countries have been doing for for a long time, and and it shows. I mean. It, um, it's a lot of these these international basketball players will play their professional five on five seasons, and as soon as their season ends, uh, they they hop on planes, they go straight to the three on three, keep playing, and and they they know they see the benefit, they know uh, how how much valuable this is as far as their uh, their reaction times and their basketball IQ. So you talked about how you've installed some three-on-three with your 
high school team, which I think, I think is, is really awesome. Can you explain kind of how you've been able to program the FIBA three-on-three style with your team in Texas? So one, one of the things that, uh, that we've done in the past is that we, we have the first part is breaking down the foundation and, and uh, teaching the players specific reads that we want them to make and specific actions that we want them to make. And so when we're in a practice situation, uh, we'll go 3v0, and then we have a baseline shooting drill where we'll go 3v3, and we'll just drill those specific movements and actions over and over and over again. And then um, at the end of that practice session, um, we'll, we'll incorporate, we'll teach the rules and incorporate the FIBA three on three games. So now we've, we've just taught you three or four actions. And so now we're going we're gonna to play a game and we're not going to say a word. And because that's what FIBA three on three is, is that um, you got to teach, your players have to have high basketball IQs because they don't have a coach on the sidelines. So we step off and we just referee and we don't say a word the entire time. And they play this continuous action of of uh, of, of playing, and uh, and and we're looking after the game. You know, we'll talk about these actions. We'll talk about uh, had maybe you could have did this or could have did that. First thing for basketball players is to is to continue to flow. You know, so many of these basketball players make a mistake and they just stop. And then and they look around. They wait for the coach to say something. They wait for the coach to blow the whistle. And they're like, "No, this is this is not what we want. We want you. We want you to be a good decision maker. We trust. And we'll we'll drill this in practice. But now it's time to play. It's time it's time to make some plays. So just keep flowing, keep it going. Um, and then and then um, um, towards the end of the school year, because we in Texas we have basketball class period. So we we work with our athletes all year round. And so towards the end of the school year, we just turn into a tournament where every Friday they'll have tournament games. They'll play three or four games um, every Friday. And so it worked, it's worked out really well. I know coaches from around the country are jealous hearing you say that you, you can work with your players during the, during the school day. Um, but, I mean, that, that's awesome because you, you've gone three-on-three. Three, you've gone three-on-O. Oh, you've gone some three-on-three three actions. You teach them the rules, and then you're letting them play without – coaching them. So they have to self-coach and they also have to be able to coach and communicate with one another because you're not there on, on the sidelines. And that feeds right into what you mentioned in my previous question was what are our players generally lacking? Reaction time, decision making. So you're putting everything in place for them with the three on three that you've set up so now that they can better those skills. Right? I can, they can shoot better, they can handle better, but if that decision-making and reaction time isn't on point, they're going to be delayed. They're not going to be as good as they generally should be when they're actually in a game situation. That is, that's some fire right there. Um, so is there anything that you feel like from a, a skill-specific or game, game position standpoint that really benefits your players from three-on-three three to five-on-five? Five? Like I'm thinking uh, – how to properly space offensively or defensively. Uh, you mentioned the decision-making already. Uh, I'm also thinking like movement without the basketball, right? Or, or, or ball screens even. Um, you wanna share anything in, in kind of those categories? Yeah, so I, I've done a lot of research and watched a lot of game film because uh, part, of, part of what my job is with FIBA three on three is, is um, 
Um, I, I, I get to travel to other countries to their national programs. And so um, that's one that when you go to different countries, you, you have different types of players, styles of play. And so one of the things I always try to look for is, is what, did, what do they already do really well? And if you would have first asked me um, when I first started coaching FIBA three-on-three, my only exposure, I worked very closely with the Slovenian coaches and, and uh, Slovenian players. And so, like, I had the, the European mindset where spacing and constant movement, uh, passing was the number one skill. Uh, passing is more important than, than ball handling in, in FIBA three-on-three. And, uh, and so constant passing, screening, movement, and having, having good spacing was so important. But then uh, the more I, I, I studied, the more I look at I watched the U.S. I watched the U.S. Um, uh, they won the World Cup. The, the men's team won the World Cup. And I, I watched the way that they played in the incorporation of dribble drive. Um, and I, say, I started thinking about it and started thinking about strengths. And, uh, and so I, we, I go down to uh, Brazil and consultant and not very good shooters, and, uh, but, but strong, athletic, uh, great ball handling. So we incorporate more, um, more ball handling or more dribble drive concepts into their flow and, uh, and their process of scoring. And their U23 team ended up placing third in the world cup after after that and and so from that aspect is is i i've come away from having one specific style of play being the best the best avenue to be successful in fiba three on three uh rather i i think the most important aspect is the spacing but with the Within the spacing, whether your 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 style is pass and move, or attack off the dribble, um, the constant needs to to be that the other two players need to move to the right spot. The other two players need to have high enough basketball IQ to know: Are you doing a dribble at for a dribble handoff? Are you uh, are you attacking the basket? Where should do you do an off ball screen? Um, those types of aspects. So I would say spacing is probably the most important and probably the universal uh, aspect and key to uh, FIBA three on three all over the world. So spacing, and there, there's more than one way to, to do it right, but it seems like spacing is a constant three on three, five on five, any sport in general. Um, and, and again, that takes the IQ to understand what your other teammates are doing so you can be in the spots at the right time. So it's not just about being in the right spot. Right, but no, if you're you, in that spot too early or too late, you're not really in the right spot, are you? And you'd be surprised at how many national players don't understand spacing. And, uh, you know, Mongolia is a great example. of uh, Mongolia and the Dominican Republic, great, great one-on-one basketball players. But when you get into a game, uh, they're running into each other. They're never on the same page, very individualistic. And so they'll win, they'll win games, but they don't win tournaments very often this is pretty cool so you you consult with various countries around the world so that they can be more successful um, during their FIBA three-on-three whether it's international tournaments you work with pro players and teams Um, is there anything else that you found that 
you know, those players do from a specific standpoint, whether it's team oriented or individual skill sets that you say to your players, like, Hey, I have a specific player and he kind of reminds me of a Mongolian player that I, that I saw, or there, there's a player that he's kind of that Slovenian style. And so you can take that internationally and then say, Hey, you know, here's some things that might be right for your game. Honestly, from a, from a skill standpoint, uh, I'm, I'm a lot of you, a lot of the international uh, programs really struggle with the skill development aspect. And uh, so I think the most thing that, that I take from international and bring back to high school and into the U.S. is, is the basketball IQ aspect of it. Because that's a level of skill development that I, I think a lot of U.S. basketball players struggle with. I mean, we're, we're so good at ball handling. We are so good at shooting. Um, you, you take a U.S. basketball player into any practice in any country around the world, and, and everybody's going to all everybody's watch is going to be in awe of how that player can dribble a basketball, how that player can can just shoot and just make shot after shot after shot, uh, make trick passes and all all that other stuff. But as then they get into the game, and as far as um, the movement aspect, the reaction aspect, the making the correct read aspect, they struggle. They're, they're, we got highlight basketball players that struggle to make good quality decisions, which uh, a lot of international programs uh, are a lot better at doing them than what we are because they don't have the skill level that we have. Um, so they have to they have to understand the game better than what we do, and uh, and so it's 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 definitely a give and take where you take you you take some of those skill programs that you do, Steve, and you take some of that and you add it to a Brazil. And so now you have huge athletes that, uh, that have a good understanding of the game, and now you give them skill development, and they're dangerous. They're mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. it's, it's funny, you know, the last, you know, 90-second clip of what you said, it's spot on to uh, the German coach that we had, who was an American, and that he's coaching in Germany. And he basically said the exact same thing. He talked about, you know, the individual skill sets and – and overall athletic ability of a lot of the players in the United States are head and shoulders in many ways above players internationally. But from the skill standpoints that you mentioned, as far as the IQ, some of the spacing, you know, that's where we can catch up to what players are doing at the international level. So that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Are there, I know you, you mentioned that you're studying the analytics. Are there any kind of unique, analytics that and statistics that you found um, whether it's just FIBA three on three that stick out that teams can use to be more successful here in the states yeah so one of, one of the things that uh, I really focused on and this was this came last summer when uh, when I was watching the World Cup was coming up and uh, there was a period of time where I was I was talking with the Dominican Republic uh, almost on a daily basis and they were trying to they're trying to help improve their style of play. When FIBA 3 and 3 first started, we first started coming up with these coaching concepts that what, what we thought was that forget about, forget about defense because um, 3 on 3 is so fast, you got 12 seconds to score, it's all about offense. If you can shoot, 
you can play. If you don't have shooters on your team, you can't play. You can't win. And so the European teams who, who have seven-footers that are awesome three-point shooters would dominate everything because they could, they could rebound. They, could, they didn't have to play defense because they could just stand there and, uh, and they could shoot threes. And so the uh, teams had a tough time beating them. Well, when I started doing the analytics behind it, I started tracking uh, possessions and I, I, I recorded all the, every single possession in the, in the World Cup and I broke it down as, as far as possession. And, and what I found was that because FIBA three on three is such a short game, everybody has, there's not, there's not as much turnover uh, as, as what they're in a five, uh, five on five. So every game, both teams are going to have the same amount of possessions. And so like, if you're a team that, that is, uh, that is not a good shooting team and, and you're trying to beat like a Slovenia or a Serbia, good luck. You're not going to win. And so I started thinking about, well, how can, how can other programs who, who are not quite there um, uh, as far as shooting-wise, how can they be successful? How can they beat teams? Because we're coaches. You know, we're thinking strategies. There's always a way to win the game. You just got to find it. And, uh, and so that's when I started really tracking the USA World Cup team. And I started finding that what they, the reason why they beat uh, Slovenia and Serbia was because of their defense because they disrupted, uh, they disrupted the flow, they disrupted the shot attempts. They, hit, they took the exact same shot attempts uh, than, than Serbia and, uh, and Slovenia, but those teams took lower percentage shots because of the defense. And uh, in U.S., the, the European style stayed the same. They, they took break defense, they allowed wide open shots, and the U.S. was able to take a lot more high percentage shots. And so the big takeaway with that and what made Brazil successful um, in, the, in the U23 World Cup was that if you have athletes and you're not a good shooting team, defense is more of a priority in FIBA three-on-three than what, what people originally thought. No, that's, that makes a lot of sense when you explain it, explain it that way from both sides where you talked about, you know, the bigs being able to stretch and hit the three, but you know, for the, for the U.S., what's one thing that they did well defensively? And, again, that translates to any type of sport that, that you're going to play. That's pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Um, Coach, as we, as we kind of finish up and round out the, the podcast, you're the CEO of World Hoops, okay? Now, share with us a little bit about what World Hoops is. I, it's an extremely impressive organization. The more I learn about it, the more impressed. I get, you know, how did it start? What it's, what's its background? And what, what are you doing with it now? Well, that's, a, that's kind of an interesting story that, that didn't end well. Uh, so I, I started World Hoops because uh, uh, what, what we were doing overseas just, just got bigger. We started off doing mission work in, in Banda Aceh, Indonesia. And um, um, one of the things with, with uh, doing that type of basketball ministry type work in, in Bana Aceh is that, is that you can't, it can't be church related. And so you have to, sports, sports has, is the power, you know, Nelson Mandela said sports is the power to break down any 
uh, racial and cultural barrier and religious barrier as well. And so because of being basketball coaches, we've had opportunities to go in some, some amazing places and do some great things. And, uh, and so um, what, we, what we needed over there is we needed a platform. And so um, I started World Hoops with the intention of just using it as, as like a basketball coaching company to be able to run these training sessions. And uh, it ended up getting, getting bigger. Um, we ended up coaching, uh, I, you know, I was the head basketball coach of the, one of the biggest clubs in Malaysia, the youngsters. And, uh, and so that was all underneath the World Hoops umbrella. And we had, you know, we had probably three, 400 players um, in that program. We had probably over 30 local coaches that we trained and, and worked with on a, on a regular basis. Um, I was the head coach at international school Deluxe in in Malaysia, and, and we and we traveled all over East Asia uh, playing tournaments because our conference was an international conference. Uh, and then, of course, FIBA three on three. Like I said before, that was that just started because I, I wanted to play. I wanted to to play tournaments. And after my my second year of doing it, um, our tournament got so big. And, and the reason why I got big is because I, I took it, I set it up, I took care of it, just like you and I experienced Steve with the Gus Macker and Red Hacker. I made it a party. I made it a festival. It was, it was fun and entertaining. And, and so everybody, everybody, we had this last one, we had 10 different countries come in to participate and, and, more countries trying to get in. There's a waiting list of countries trying to get into our tournament in Penang. Um, and, so, and so that just, that kind of just, just came just from uh, the passion of wanting to continue to play. And of course, when you're organizing a tournament like that, you can't play anymore. So <laughs> FIBA, FIBA came to me and said, said uh, um, it's, it's great that you want to play, but you're better at doing this. <laughs> And so they wanted me to, to coach. And, uh, you know, your boy, uh, I don't know if you remember him, you played against him, Robert Rieblinger. So he remembers you very well, Steve. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, now I'm remembering, yep. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's, he's the one that, that had that conversation with me saying, look, you, we love that you play, but uh, you're a lot better at organizing and coaching. So let's, uh, let's go this direction with it. Um, but, the, I've, you know, I mentioned, so World Hoops has done great things, and they're still hosting the Challenger. Uh, we ended up opening up our own basketball court and facility in a shopping mall uh, in Malaysia where we host the tournament. We opened up an English school there as well, uh, which World Hoops is still going strong. Um, but since me moving to the U.S. when we adopted our son from Ethiopia and we had to work on his citizenship, um, I had I had to make a tough decision to completely step away from World Hoop. So I'm actually no longer affiliated uh, with with the organization uh, because I I had to put my family first and do what's in the best interest of of uh, getting my fam my new family situated here back in the U.S. Uh, but World Hoops is still hosting the tournament. Hopefully they'll be able to do it next year. They're still going strong. That's pretty cool. I mean to see the the organization that you started and you founded, you know, still being able to, to thrive. Um, and then you being able to, 
you know, you're, you're a Christian man, you're a family man, and that's obviously a, a priority. And so being able to, to do that while see something that you started, still be able to do its thing on the complete other side of the world is, is pretty amazing. <laughs> um, Steve, I, I just want to add too that, um, um, you know, you, your family has a big impact on that. Uh, your, your mom and dad, the way that we always, my, my wife and I always watched the way that your family was raised when we were younger. And, and we always, when your mom did our marriage counseling, mom and dad did our marriage counseling. And, and that's one thing that we said is when we, we want to model our family um, around Christ the same way that we see you guys, uh, um, your family dynamic. And so we, that's, that's been our number one priority. Our, our whole marriage, our whole family life is trying to create that same dynamic that you grew up with. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that, no doubt. And you're, you're another great example of, you know, um, being a Christian coach and it, it can be done at a high level. Um, you know, you don't need to be some, you know, kind of rough, tough, like, you know, everything else is out the window if you want to be a good basketball coach. Not at all. In fact, I think it's the opposite for, yeah. for the most part. Um, and, and, and we had, a, we had a, a slogan at World Hoops that we always said is, is like, is we don't do anything small. And that, and that's one of the things that we, that we, that helped us grow at such a fast rate is like, we don't, we only do big things. And the, the, the foundation behind that is because, uh, because of our faith in God, you know, God, you can't, you can't dream big enough uh, for God, you know, God, God is bigger than anything. And so like, if, if you, if you set your goals and aspirations low, then that's exactly where you're going to end up. Um, but if you, if you, test your faith and put yourself out there, you know, God's going to take care of you. And, you know, I, I love that. In the beginning, you talked about, you know, having uh, passion, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, God gives us passion for certain things in life. And, you know, there, there's a saying that says, you know, when love meets purpose, it equals passion, you know, and, and you're using that through, through this passion that you have for basketball, right? You, you've realized that it's a love that you have. You've, you've seen the purpose that it has. And when we combine those two things, it's, it becomes pretty powerful all right, when we're using it for the right reasons, which, which brings me into kind of my last question for you. If you could go back and give yourself uh, some advice to your younger self coming up as a coach or in life in general, what would some of that advice be? Um, stick with it. And, and that's, there, there's so many situations and this goes back to my high school playing career is, is, uh, I had a lot of success early and then, and, and I ran into uh, one or two roadblocks and I kind of thought that that was the end and I stopped. And, and early in my coaching career, it was the same thing, which is why I, uh, I, I tried getting out of it for so many years. I ran into a couple of roadblocks and, uh, and so I, I, I stopped and, and that's not the way to do things. The way to do things is, is when you get your mind right, you set goals, you don't let roadblocks get in your way and you keep, you find a way over, you find a way through, you keep grinding and, uh, and stick with it until you make things happen, which is a, a lot, which is the path that you took, Steve. And like, I'm, I'm real proud seeing the way that you grew up and seeing all the things that you accomplished because you did it the right way. 
I appreciate appreciate that. No no doubt about it, especially coming from you, somebody that I look up to. And you know, you mentioned roadblocks, and you know, roadblocks can be you know times where we stop. They can be opportunities for us to grow, and um, you know that's clearly what you've what you've done as you've gone throughout all the, these moves and what you've done with the game of basketball. So in closing, I want to commend you for for all the the benefits and growth that you've done for the game of basketball globally, uh, doing it the right way, right? You, you've grown your, your family, you've moved around the world, uh, you've, you've made a positive impact in the lives of more people than you will ever know, and you're gonna continue to do that through growing this great game of basketball and modeling Christ while you do it. So, um, Coach Arnold, thanks again for, for being on the podcast. I appreciate that. I'll leave the last word to you if there's anything that you wanna want to add to the Coach's Edge podcast and all of our listeners, the floor is yours. I just want to say, like, I, I just love this podcast. Um, definitely endorse Steve Kramer. You know, I still watch your, look at your Instagram stuff, your training videos, and I get ideas for skill development. Uh, I listened to your last about attacking, and it's like, I, I feel like, um, I feel like when I listen to you speak, like you and I are exactly on the same page and, and you, you got a lot of good stuff. You're a high quality skills. Coach. I just, that, that's last words. I just endorse Steve Kramer. I mean, you, you're doing great things. Um, you're, you're the highest, you're at the highest level that I've experienced. I've been around some top skills coaches around the world. And, and I'm telling you, Steve, you're right there. You're just as good as any of them, if not better. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We better shut it down right there. And, you know, and uh, the money will be in the mail. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it, Chuck. Thanks for checking out the Coach's Edge podcast for joining us today. Um, if you guys could leave a sub subscription uh, rating, if there's anything that you want to learn more about with, with Coach Arnold, I'll be able to share all of his contact information in the show notes. He's a great guy to kind of continue to follow uh, his coaching career what he's been up to. Thanks again and get after it today.